complimentary power moves that you can do in the office or on the field or wherever your octagon or dojo of life happens to be. On the house, courtesy of Emerson Dameron, LA's number one avant-garde motivational speaker, if you see somebody you want to get some leverage on and that person asks you if you're having a nice day, say the best day of the rest of your life. They may not like you, but they will damn sure respect you. If you realize that you've said too much and you regret what has tumbled out of your mouth, say to the assembled, I trust you because you are wise enough to keep my secrets. That will shut them up good. This is Emerson Dameron, LA's number one avant-garde motivational speaker and host of Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes on K-Chung, kchungradio.org, medicated-minutes.com. I love you personally. Levity saves lives. Twenty twenty two, first week of a brand new year, new beginnings, opportunity to reflect, to reassess, and to cast out the malign influences for all of the things that held you back in twenty twenty one, all of the uh, other people's reactions that kept you in fear, wondering what are they gonna do if I show myself for who I really am, if I take care of myself instead of taking care of them, what's gonna happen? Will they react? Will they retaliate? Let it go. It's 2022, it's new. And for all of those things that made you second-guess yourself, all of the blocks, whether spiritual, creative, physical, psychological, that kept you down. It's time to say, get out of my year, because it's 2022, and it's here, and you're listening to Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes on K-Chung, Los Angeles. 16.30 a.m. if you're in or around Chinatown in Los Angeles. Otherwise, worldwide on the World Wide Web at kchung.org. My name's Emerson Dameron. I'm the host of the show, the writer, the producer, the director, the talent. Music is by Chris Rogers. Everything else is by me. I am solely responsible for its content. This is... Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes, medicated-minutes.com, on K-Chung, Levity Saves Lives, and this is the first episode of the show for 2022, and 2022 is going to be a different kind of year. The way things are going, it could be 
quite horrifying, perhaps in ways that we have not anticipated. But there will be many opportunities to bring to bear the character that we built over the last couple of years dealing with the unbelievable havoc and devastation that we've gone through on the macro and the micro scales. And even now, you might feel like you've got a bunch of rocks in your pockets. Might feel like there's unfinished business, things you haven't said to people that you're afraid don't want to hear it. And let's be real, they probably wouldn't listen, they probably wouldn't get it, and yes, they might feel threatened. It may be perceived as an attack when you stand up for yourself in ways that they did not anticipate, did not expect. Perhaps they were counting on you to sell yourself short in consequential ways in order to keep their show going. And my advice is to find those people and don't say what you really want to say because they're not going to hear it. Write that down in a letter. Mail it to yourself. It's fun to get stuff in the mail. It'll surprise you when it shows up after the journey that it takes through the U.S. Postal Service, through the system. But what's in the letter is for you to unburden yourself, to crystallize what's in your heart and get it out there in the third dimension because that can take some of its power away. But you don't have to show it to the person that you're writing to. And you don't have to say those things because, again, they're not going to listen. Maybe they would. Maybe they'll get it. Probably not right now. Maybe years later. Maybe in 2025, they'll see what you were getting at. See things from your point of view. That's a possibility. You don't need to concern yourself with that right now. What you need to do is just say, get the hell out of my ear. Look them straight in the eyes with no fear because 2022 is here. So for all of those people who have kept you down in 2019, 2020, 2021, maybe going way back before that, time to put a stop to it and move on. Even if only in your heart, that can be the first thing you do, is just release the expectation of any sort of outcome that relies on somebody else growing up 
or showing up or owning up or getting real and just let go of that hope because it's not your responsibility to be what they expect of you and you can release them from your expectations and rather than saying what you want from them figure out what you want from yourself and give yourself that and then you'll have the inner glow that comes from knowing what you want and knowing how to get it which is to task yourself with getting it for you and then you can look straight at that person who has disrespected you with cruelty perhaps it was their just their misunderstanding they're not on your level doesn't really matter we all have our traumas and complexes and screwed up motivations for the things that we do that's no excuse to treat other humans in a second class way and it's no reason for you to accept it so just feel that fear anger mix of the emotions that we try to push down or ignore that can make parts of life unpleasant and rather than spending another year feeling those things in a sustained way just blast it out right now escape the cruelty escape your expectations your hopes that anything could be different And instead of that, instead of trying to explain yourself, instead of complaining, instead of dwelling on what is not, simply hold those things dead in your line of sight, the characters in your life that are making things difficult or the ideas that no longer serve you the obligations that you sense that are not appreciated or returned hold those things feel those feelings guilt shame rage all of that feel it feel it fully and then say get the hell out of my ear and mean it and follow through on it because there's no space for any of that kind of nonsense in 2022 we're doing things differently and it's time to get on that new level you're listening to Emerson Dameron's medicated minutes on K Chung levity saves lives
You're listening to Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes. The show is made possible in part by support from the Slickworks Corporation. What is the Slickworks Corporation? In most cases, it's better that you don't know. If you lead an ethical life, if you try to keep it simple, if you're an honest broker, it's better that you don't even ask. But we're grown-ups here, and sometimes life gets complicated, and that's when you might need the services of the Slickworks Corporation. Among other things, the Slickworks Corporation sells a full-service platform for keeping track of your own deceit in your life. Perhaps you have a simple pattern of deceit, and you've committed it to memory. Believe for you, most people's lives get more complicated than that. That's when you've got lies colliding with deceptions and you're lying to yourself. And that's when you need Slickworks to keep track of all that, to make sure that there's some consistency in your lies, at least in any given particular moment. Uh, We are all under the yoke of capitalism We've all done things that we're not entirely proud of to make the next meal. I certainly have. I generally keep it pretty simple right now. I'd say at any given time, I'm usually practicing at least four of the five major precepts of Buddhism. And that's why I'm selling pickaxes and shovels to this gold rush of deceit and deception and bad faith and lies that's going on in the world right now. Maybe you look around and you're overwhelmed by how much bad stuff and bad faith there is going on in the world. And you're disgusted and you think, how? How can people do this to each other? The answer is Slickworks. The products of the Slickworks Corporation, including spreadsheets, to keep track of all of your lies, flow charts and mind maps to see how they all link together so that you can convolute your way into a story that at least feels internally consistent and at least makes you feel like you're a good person enough to get out there and roll those marks for whatever it is that you need out of them. Slickworks, it's got your back. It knows where the bodies are buried, and it helps you keep track of that with GPS coordinates and all of the new features and benefits that you expect from a full-service deception platform. Slickworks is a proud sponsor of Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes. This is the show, and one of the topics today that we're going to address is how to let people down. Life is complicated, and you will find yourself in the position of disappointing people. Maybe you oversold your own abilities a little bit. Maybe you worked really hard to get a job that you weren't qualified for, and then you had a job that you weren't qualified for, and because you weren't qualified for it, you started screwing up. 
At first, maybe nobody noticed, but after a while, it got more and more conspicuous, and now you're in the position of letting someone down, of disappointing someone. And this is complex. Uh, there's some guilt and shame involved on your end, perhaps, uh, at least if you're kind of on the freshman level of ripping people off and deceiving people when you're not really a hardened sociopath or you've convinced yourself that you're a sociopath when you're not, which puts you in a position to get eaten alive by the genuine article. Regardless, obviously there's some pain on your side. It can be a lot worse for the person that you've disappointed because you have put that person in the position of not only reevaluating their image of you, but also reevaluating how they think of themselves. Perhaps previously they had considered themselves savvy, skeptical, not apt to get rolled like a mark. And now things are a little bit different. And perhaps some cognitive dissonance is kicking in. And that's when the important skill for you to have is to be able to let someone down gracefully. Some of that comes from self-awareness. Uh, if you don't know who you are, you'll end up letting a lot of people down without even intending to. And I would say that it's best to minimize that kind of exposure by knowing who you are, kind of understanding your circle of competence enough to push yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone, but not so far that you catastrophically screw up something that was your responsibility. And then when the time comes to let someone down, you can do it gracefully, mindfully, and deliberately. And you're going to disappoint people in life. It's practically inevitable. It could be that their standards to begin with were unfair. Perhaps they had things that they wanted of you that they did not tell you in advance that that was part of their expectations and maybe they're disappointed with you and you're not even sure entirely why. It might not be fair. Life often isn't. And when you're in the position of letting someone down, it's a position of vulnerability and you have to practice the art of the Brinks person to get through that because Sometimes people will retaliate. Uh, sometimes people will blow up and get mad and try to get revenge. Or they might rat you out to an authority that can really make your life miserable and foreclose future opportunities for rolling other marks. So you want to be prepared if you're going to let someone down. It starts with doing business with people who can take the L and aren't too caught up in an identity that is not going to be workable or sustainable in the long run. If you hang out with people and you hear them talking about horrible revenge that they've taken on other people, be aware that at some point they are probably going to take similarly horrible revenge on you. My advice would be do not do business with those people. Do business with people who are cool who are not going to blow up and who are open to being cooled out when they find themselves 
in the position of a mark. There's an excellent essay by the Canadian sociologist Irving Goffman called On Cooling the Mark Out. And it's about how in an ensemble of con artists, there's usually one character who plays the role of the cooler. And the job of that person is to stick around after the fleecing has been done and calm down the mark, basically usher the mark into a position of different status, of perhaps a different self-image to get through the pain of finding out that an old self-image of a person who will not get rolled is no longer workable and cool the mark out. And there's a whole art and a science to doing this. I'd suggest you read up on it. You will probably be in that position yourself. I would say if you're going to be a charlatan, and there's a good chance that you will be, we're all charlatans to some degree. I would say the way things are right now in this world of images, be a competent charlatan. Perhaps a stylish charlatan. Maybe have some panache, some showpersonship. And as the author Ramsey Dukes says in his essay, The Charlatan and the Magus, which I totally recommend, it made my head spin. Sometimes we need the services of charlatans. There are things that charlatans can do for us that we can't get from scientists and government bureaucrats and the other Vulcans in our midst. And whether or not those people are charlatans of a different kind is a matter for another day. If you're going to be a charlatan, you need a little bit of glamour, a little bit of pizzazz. You need to get dirty in a fun way, and you need to do it right. And that will make it much easier to cool the mark out when the time comes to skillfully and deliberately let someone down. And when you're letting someone down, the main thing you want to do is listen. At this point, you can't really help, and you've done enough harm, and make a graceful exit. Get out of there. If you feel that making amends can help the situation, then do that. But in most cases, the best thing you can do is just get out and let the healing begin. The key takeaway is, of course, whatever you wanted to get out of your mark in the first place. Now that you've done that successfully, you can't pretend that you didn't want it in the first place. You might feel guilty, but you knew what you were getting into. Next thing you can do is probably GTFO, get out of that person's year, and make sure that you have all of the latest updates of the Slickworks platform, a product of the Slickworks Corporation, one of many products for all of the charlatans and con artists and deceivers in the world. You're making money off them. We're making money off you. Circle of life. This is Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes. And as of this recording, 
the COVID-19 numbers are spiking once again here in Los Angeles, probably because people were not safe over the holidays and partied too hard and got out there in the mix a little bit too much and now people have COVID and they're giving it to other people. The numbers are going up. The cases that were initiated over the holidays are being reported. The numbers are skyrocketing and people are lonely. It's dangerous to get out in the mix with other folks and perhaps there is a lack of love and intimacy in your life. And yes, we're talking about sex, romantic connection. And you don't need another person necessarily to experience the love and lust and romance that you want and need and deserve in your life. There's another option, and that is to fall wildly and madly in love with yourself. And this segment is sponsored by taking a day off work. Don't wait until you're sick. Just take the day off. It's simple. You can make up an excuse if you feel that you need to. Take the day off. Don't schedule anything. Don't build any furniture. Just chill and spend some quality time with yourself and make it a point to nurture that relationship in order to fall crazy, head over heels, frantic texting at 3 a.m. in love with yourself. To fall in love with yourself, the most important thing to remember is that the most exciting relationships we experience in life are incredibly toxic. So it's important to develop a toxic relationship with yourself. Now, perhaps you already have one. Uh, you could tell by listening to your own self-talk. Maybe you have a bully or a drill sergeant or one of your parents that lives in your head all the time bad-mouthing you, ragging on you. Everything you do is not good enough or it's wrong or you're incompetent. You're not the person that you want to be. I certainly have that voice. A lot of us do. There's nothing very romantic about that. That is abuse, and that's way over the line. So in order to fall in love with yourself, you need to finesse that a little bit. There's uh, something called negging that was practiced by pickup artists back in the audience when that Neil Strauss book was out. That's making little digs, little insults, in kind of a joking, fun-loving way. And I guess the idea was supposed to be that by doing that, you lower people's self-esteem enough that they try to seek out your approval, which sounds evil and dumb and overly complicated and not sexy at all. So maybe don't outright insult yourself. You've probably already done enough of that for one lifetime. Engage instead in the art of playful banter. Tease yourself a little bit. Just a little bit of psychological roughhousing, 
make things spicy and sexy and hot. Also, be unpredictable. Unpredictability is fascinating to us. We don't know what someone is going to do next. We tend to fall crazy in love with that person because it's scary. It makes us feel alive. It's raw. It's hot. It's romantic. So be unpredictable to yourself. That's hard to do because you know everything about yourself, or at least you think you do. You probably have more information than most other people that you could fall in love with if you were able to go outside and meet them. But you're not, so you got to fall in love with yourself. And probably the quickest way to do that is to take all of those disgusting things that you hate about yourself and turn those into fetishes. Fetishize whatever it is that you know is horrible about yourself. Whatever it is that you're afraid to show the world, that's your sexy secret with yourself. And that's how you're going to fall completely in love with yourself and when the time comes, make passionate love to yourself. Understand what you need and give it to yourself freely and aggressively and go all in. Because the most exciting relationship in this life is the relationship that you have with yourself. So make sure it's exciting, dramatic, as poisonous as it needs to be, as long as it's still playful. I'm not going to judge you. There is no kink shaming on this show. You can fall in love with yourself. I would say it's your responsibility to fall in love with yourself. You come into this world alone, you leave alone, you might as well love yourself to the point where it's kind of scary, maybe a little bit unhealthy. And one way to fall in love with yourself is to get lucky. Was a previous episode of the show dedicated to this topic. There's one facet of luck that we didn't really get into because it's too much to cover. It was too much to cover then and it's too much to cover now. But the big idea is to notice everything in your environment. First, think of yourself as a person who is lucky and then start to notice everything. Start by just noticing the big picture, then zoom in on little sights and sounds, stimuli that may normally go unnoticed. Meditate, practice mindfulness, get comfortable with discomfort and boredom, and you'll find that there's no such thing. Life's bounty is ever-present. It's everywhere you look, so look around wherever you are right now. Find five blue things Get into a practice of noticing and notice the hell out of this life. And if you get nothing else out of this show, just notice the hell out of this life. This is Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes, sponsored in part by the First Church of the Satanic Buddha. Now, it's unusual for a religious organization to sponsor a radio show I think it's one of their front corporations that actually pays the bill. I don't know exactly how it works, but I am a believer in the Satanic Buddha. I celebrate myself 
I glorify myself. I am deeply in love with myself, and my birthday is to me the most sacred holiday on the calendar. However, I also notice that there is no self. There is no me. I don't exist as a discrete entity. When I try to find the seeker, I found that there is none to find. And now I'm looking again, still not there. There is no me, but I am the god of my little world. I am the screenwriter. Hail Satan. And thank you, Buddha, for reminding me to keep things in perspective. I do try to take nothing personally. That's one benefit of not having a self. Uh, but when I get in the mix, I indulge my appetites. I indulge all the sensory pleasures of this world. I do so with abandon, without regret. As long as it's all consenting adults, that's what life is about. It's about pleasure, which of course does not exist because we live in a world of illusions. But as long as we're here, we might as well enjoy the illusions. Go with a goat. Hail Satan. Life is suffering. Suffering is often sexy. The First Church of the Satanic Buddha is a proud sponsor of Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes. I'm on my way to get a nutritious and delicious fruit smoothie bowl, which I plan to enjoy consuming. I don't always hunger for food. Sometimes I hunger for other things. And I have a bit of an odd relationship in history with food. Uh, always had a little bit of a sweet tooth, but never been too much of a glutton. And I've never really gained a whole lot of weight because of eating. Uh, my appetite has just never been my main issue, at least my appetite for food has never been too far out of control. And from a young age, I had a pretty fast metabolism, so uh, I could eat a lot of garbage and not gain too much weight. When I was in college, I decided I wanted to be a vegetarian, which just involved eating a lot of meatless stuff from Taco Bell most of the time. And the combination Taco Bell and KFC, I also had the KFC potato products that I enjoyed quite a bit and because of my metabolism was able to eat without gaining a whole lot of weight. Uh, the only times I've gained a lot of weight 
were on certain antidepressant medications. I was on a lot of antidepressant medications during my high school years. Uh, some of them are now counterindicated for teenagers. I was on lithium and Paxil and a number of other pretty serious medications. And for a while, I just looked like a Ziploc bag full of water. As soon as I got off of all of that stuff, I immediately lost the weight and I was excruciatingly hot and sexy for one summer that I recall, uh, during which time I was also smoking bales of weed, which made me uh, just dumb enough to be a little bit hotter. But that was a wonderful time. Uh, made possible in part by the fact that I don't really overeat. Sometimes I don't even eat sufficiently. Um, I, I don't do stress eating. My stress response is quite the opposite of that. I'll go for uh, long stretches of time without eating a lot of food. Sometimes I'll get dizzy, even begin to hallucinate a little bit and continue to not eat. I've been frighteningly skinny at times in my life because of my weird relationship with food. I'm currently a vegetarian for the most part. I'm not religious about it. I'm under no illusions that a lot of the burritos that I eat aren't cooked in close proximity to meat products. I just don't go out of my way to eat meat. It's just one ethical thing that I try to do. I hate factory farming. I don't want to support it. And it gives me the opportunity to be mindful of the food that I'm consuming. which is a good practice, good habit to develop, to notice the things that you do, and sometimes having some protocols will help you do that. So if there's anything that uh, you're just doing too much or doing indiscriminately, have a system, keep track of it, break it down into parts and analyze what you're doing and then you'll do it more deliberately but if there's something that you're not doing at all perhaps doing it indiscriminately is the best way to start if you're not in the habit of asking for help just ask for help you don't have to be too specific just do the damn thing I assume that one possible effect of a lot of the medication I was on when I was a teenager is that my uh, psychological dopamine reward system might be a little bit screwy. And sometimes I 
don't respond to pleasure things that I expect to be pleasurable the way that I think that I might. And it's affected the way that I seek out pleasure in my life. I kind of have this wish that there's this secret payload of pleasure just for me that when I figure out what really gets me off, it's gonna be uh, an explosion of exuberant creativity and wild pleasure like I've never experienced or imagined. And it's gonna be just for me because I've tried a lot of the ways that most people get pleasure and it's, most of the time it's just not quite hitting. I love music, movies, art, walks outdoors, sex in, under the right conditions, intimacy, laughter, turning my own negative experience into anecdotes that provoke laughter from others is one of my greatest source of pleasure as it brings me as close as I expect to get in this lifetime to the alchemists. But I'm not sure that I've found it yet. And maybe that's a story I tell myself to keep myself looking, keep my swivel head on in the hope that some real source of profound ecstasy will present itself. And I'll be aware enough to notice when that happens. But for right now, I'm gonna pick up this nutritious and delicious fruit smoothie bowl. I don't expect it to complete me. I don't expect it to release wild torrents of ecstatic pleasure, sensory satisfaction. But I think it's gonna be good. I think I'm gonna like it. And I think that on this day, at this hour, that's gonna be enough. At least, that's the tentative plan. Subject to adjustment, if necessary. And later on, I'll take a walk by the ocean, which always gives me just a little bit of a sense of awe. Makes me feel uh, reverence and respect for how awesome this world can be and many of its features. I expect to enjoy that as well.
and I recognize that as future tripping. And I think a little bit of that is okay. And now I bring myself right back here because this is where I need to be to pick up this food product that I plan to enjoy. Hi there, I'm Emerson Dameron, and I need help. What kind of help do I need? I'm not exactly sure, because I'm not well-practiced at asking for help. Asking for help with specific things is like asking for help 102, and I'm on my first day of asking for help 101. which requires asking for help outside of the ways that are typically prescribed in our uh, capitalist society. I used to work in offices. I'm glad I don't anymore. I like everything about not working in offices. And I don't really miss the uh, the office social interactions. I liked a lot of the people I worked with, some of them quite a bit. But ever since the job that I had at a bowling alley in Asheville, North Carolina, the year after I dropped out of college, first time I attempted to get a college education, it did not take I dropped out and had a series of jobs, and one of them was at a sandwich bar at a bowling alley. There are a couple of things I remember from that. One of them was somebody quitting my shift partner in, in the middle of a shift, and the bloated cokehead manager came in, and I watched him catastrophically fail to do the job of a sandwich cook. I believe sandwich artists are specific to Subway. There was very little art in what we did. Another thing I remember about the job was that a lot of the people that worked there also socialized there. When they were off work, they would come in and bowl and hang out with the people that worked at the bowling alley. I like bowling and I liked a lot of these people, but I realized at that time that if your social life and your work life are overlapping circles, you need to make some friends outside of work. I just don't think it's healthy if your work friends are also your friends. Some people have affairs with their colleagues. I think that used to be something that people would look away from and are now looking at askance. Sometimes the power dynamics 
make it unethical. But even aside from all of that, my feeling is that if you're socializing and sleeping with your coworkers, you need a life outside of work. And it's easy for me to have that now that I don't have to spend my time in offices or driving back and forth from offices. However, it means that it requires a little bit more effort on my part to be social. One of the prescribed ways to hang out and BS, that being with coworkers, when there is not work being done, which is frequently the case in offices, that's not something I have. So I have to get out there and make those connections happen myself. And that is difficult when I'm reluctant to ask for help. I'm often afraid that if I ask for help, I may come off as cringe. I've discussed in previous episodes how this is a fear of mine, the fear of appearing cringe, which if one appears cringe, there's some shame involved. And I have some shame over the fact that that's something I care about. I'd rather be a wild man and not care what other people think. Even though most people that genuinely don't care what other people think end up in prisons or rubber rooms or on the street. Or sometimes running massive corporations or international superpowers, but... Those are hard jobs to get, even for sociopaths. There are other prescribed relationships under capitalism that some people avail themselves of when they're having trouble connecting with people in their vicinity. There's therapy, which I thoroughly endorse. I've gotten a lot out of it tried different modalities, it's unquestionably worthwhile for almost anybody, especially people who don't think they need it. I think being well-adjusted in this world comes with some sacrifices and some pain that are worth examining just to get a laugh, if nothing else. You can always get some good laughs in therapy. But of course, those aren't friendships and the ethical standards that therapists require that there's some distance there. So you don't end up with too much transference and counter-transference and ethical transgressions and a whole mess can be made when people get vulnerable in a doctor's office, or really anywhere. Particularly when getting real is the whole point. Sometimes you don't even have to get real in friendships. You can just 
BS and shoot the breeze and kid around. And those things can be good. Sometimes that's as deep as it needs to go. We also have parasocial relationships, appointment viewing with TV characters that feel like our friends, hosts of podcasts who hang out and have fun with each other and make us feel as though we're part of that scene even though we're not and they don't know who we are and would probably be a little bit irritated, perhaps flattered, but not uh, entirely delighted if we uh, walked up to them in person, if we saw them sitting at a table at El Coyote with two other people and it was a table for four, we invited ourselves to sit down and hang out with the host of our favorite podcast and his or her friends and riff like they do on the show that probably wouldn't take because parasocial relationships are not real friendships. And we know that on an intellectual level, although it can feel in our hearts as though we're really hanging out. And it's easier. There's no risk. There's very little chance that we can appear cringe in a way that's going to be painful in the idea, in the eyes of people who don't really know us. In the eyes or ideas. Perhaps uh, we're fans and look down on as uh, lesser than, but only in a very abstract and distant way. We don't have to worry about really embarrassing ourselves in relationships that don't really exist. But of course, all of those relationships only go so far and there come times in our lives when we really need some help. And if we are not in such a time, I think the best thing to do is lay some of the necessary groundwork for having the social support that we're gonna need when those times present themselves. And if there's no one around to help, or even if there is, my feeling is that it's best to see what we can accomplish by ourselves before we ask for help. Just get in the habit of handling our own business first and foremost as much as possible. And then if it, that's not sufficient and it turns out that we do need some help or we just need kindness and connection, then hopefully we've done the necessary preliminary work of establishing those social connections so people can help us. Because people want to help. I want to help. You probably want to help. 
But then sometimes there's just a space where we can't really explain what's going on. We've tried modeling the way that other people deal with it, but that's not sufficient. We don't know how to ask for help. Maybe we're out of practice of asking for help or we've been afraid for so long that it's hard. And then it really can feel as though we are truly and profoundly on our own. It's a brisk winter evening as I treat myself to an evening stroll in Venice Beach on Oceanfront Walk, my neighborhood. The rain of last week has cleansed the air somewhat. It feels bracing and clear. And I feel alive. I'm taking this opportunity to advise you to escape a cruel force in your life. If you think about it, there may be a person, an institution, an idea. It's probably a person, perhaps a group of people that are not treating you well not treating you with respect, demanding more than they're willing to give, manipulating you, putting you in positions where you don't trust your own judgment, holding you to standards that you can't meet, that you don't want to meet, putting you in the feeling that you're paying interest on a debt that you will never be able to completely pay off. Because the more you flail, the deeper you go. And I'm asking you to get out of that situation. And I think you can do it. It may cost money. It may require a difficult conversation. 
It may uh, require rearranging some other aspects of your life so that you can grant yourself the freedom from this cruel entity that is keeping you down. I'm asking you to do this as perhaps your first major bold act of 2022. Locate a force of cruelty in your life, thoughtlessness, entitlement, lack of respect, lack of consideration for what you want and need. And just get out of there. Maybe you tell that person to GTFO, say, get out of my year. Maybe you just leave. Just step out the back, Jack, make a new plan, stand, all of that. Whatever it takes. There are many ways to do it. There are resources at your disposal. There are people who care about you. People you can reach out to, let them know what's going on. Let them know what's coming. Let them know you might need a place to crash or just somebody to talk to. Get that lined up and make it happen. Get out of there. You may have rationalizations for why you wanna stick around. Change is difficult. And it's hard to get away from someone that you think might retaliate or manipulate you into thinking that this is your problem, that things went south because of you. And that's just them not owning their own stuff. You can own your stuff. You can handle that in good time. And it may be a lot easier when you give yourself some good space by getting out of that cruel, thankless situation. Now, I'm sure people have their reasons for mistreating others. We've all done it. Um, I'm not interested in untangling that. There are so many hours in a day and you've spent enough time puzzling over the motivations of this cruel person that has not invested the same interest or curiosity in what makes you work, how you're wired up, what you care about and how you feel and who you are. So it doesn't matter why they do what they do. What matters is that you get out. It might be scary. It is a leap into the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. We are not good at predicting the future as a species. 
I predict that you will find resources that you will unblock creativity and self-love and exuberant joy for life that you didn't know you had that's been blocked up for a long time because of the shame and embarrassment that you've had to deal with as a result of putting up with this cruelty. I believe that the minute you say, get out of my year, you will see things differently. From where you are right now, you do not know what you have to gain by making a break for it. You will find out on the other side. All you have to do is do it. And if for whatever reason you can't split right now, detach yourself from this situation in your heart and in your mind as best you can. Whatever that takes, some kind of ritual magic, therapy, EMDR, whatever. Make the break. And then when the time comes, make the break physically and just get out of there and say, it's 2022. You are not on my team, so get out of my year. And you'll have the full force of Emerson Dameron's medicated minutes to get you through it. This has been Emerson Dameron's medicated minutes on K Chung, Los Angeles, 1630 AM, org. My name's Emerson Dameron. I am the producer, director, writer, host of Emerson Dameron's Medicated Minutes. Music is by Chris Rogers. Everything else is by me. I am solely responsible for the content of this show. The website for which is medicated-minutes.com. This is Kay Chung, Levity Saves Lives. <laughs>